You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat your Indiana Hoosiers 40-31 to uh, in the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage. The red team defeats the white team 40-31 to on an exciting, enthusiastic, very passionate night of basketball in Bloomington, Indiana. I mean, when you have, I don't know how many people were there, 12,000, 13,000 people show up for some player introductions and a scrimmage, you know, you know that people are excited about their Hoosiers. And obviously that could be felt today. Uh, Obviously a lot of important recruits were in attendance. They got plenty of love. Uh, And so all in all, a very good night in Bloomington. Of course, most importantly, there were no new injuries that occurred during the game. And that's always the most important thing, uh, though a couple of players were held out. But we are going to break down uh, what we saw tonight at Hoosier Hoosier Hysteria, obviously focusing a lot on the scrimmage and then maybe some other observations from the night. Uh, And it should be fun. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and our special guest host, Brian Tonsoni, who I will introduce uh here in just a minute but let's start tonight's show as we start every show and that is with our hoosier proud banner moment and for me the banner moment i mean obviously it would be pretty easy to mention romeo langford and darius garland being in the building uh but that was the banner moment uh for thursday night show so i won't go there i won't talk about recruiting we had actual live indiana basketball on the court tonight and so i really want to focus there And so, you know, I thought the scrimmage, and we'll get into this, obviously uneven in a lot of ways. I mean, this looked like a team that was kind of out there playing publicly for the first time. A lot of rough edges. You heard, uh, if you were watching the broadcast, Ed Schilling talking with Eddie Cotton after the game, talking about how we turned it over too much. We need to clean that up. Plenty to clean up. But I did think there were some bright spots and some impressive moments uh, by individual players. And one of the most impressive individual plays that I saw tonight uh, happened at around the 4.30 uh, mark in the second half. And that is when you saw Devontae Green over on the right wing. He was about to get a double team trapped by Robert Johnson and Juwan Morgan, split the double team and made a beautiful drive into the lane and kind of made this, uh, this little reverse finger roll and got fouled on it. And I just thought it was a really impressive play. It was a high-level point guard play Uh, And, you know, it's not like he split, you know, a couple of walk-on defenders. Those are two pretty good defensive players in Juwan Morgan and Robert Johnson that he was able to do this against. And I thought it was indicative of the night for Devontae Green. It wasn't a perfect night by any means, but he really showed uh, some confidence, some assertiveness. uh, And I thought, you know, looked like a leader out there, looked like a guy who was really comfortable leading this offense. And that's important because I think we we have a pretty good idea of what we'll get from Robert Johnson. We have a pretty good idea of what we'll get from a guy like Jawan Morgan. But for this team to really kind of take that next step this year, 
getting high level play out of that guard position, that lead guard position will be important. And we don't know from tonight's game whether Devontae Green is ready to do that. And obviously Josh Newkirk wasn't even on the court as he was held out from injury. But I thought we saw a lot of positive things from Devontae Green tonight that kind of matches what we've been hearing about him in practice so far with you know, the gold jersey and all of that and, and how he hopefully will respond to Archie Miller's coaching. And I thought it was really uh, summed up in that one play that he made there in the second half. All right, that was our banner moment. And our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And you may be wondering, okay, why should I check out Hoosier Proud? Why should I check out their website, HoosierProud.com? Well, here are three good reasons. Number one, their designs. Hoosier Proud has officially licensed IU gear as well as a bunch of really cool and interesting designs that are inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. Plus, they are the official provider of our assembly call logo shirts. Uh, number two, their philanthropy. Hoosier Proud actually donates a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And you can find out what charities on their website. And the number three reason to visit HoosierProud.com is their generosity. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud love what we do here at the Assembly Call, which is why they sponsor our show, and they give our listeners 15% off. All you have to do is use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, at checkout, and you will get 15% off your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All righty, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And let's start with Andy Bottoms and his Bottoms line, brought to us by IUTickets.shop. Andy, your Bottoms line from tonight's Indiana performance in Hoosier Hysteria. I'd like to use this time to address the officiating in the IU-Michigan State game, so I will pass on IU. But no, I'm just kidding. I, uh, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to keep off, uh, keep off that topic. But no, I think. Um, you know, Devante is certainly a guy that I wanted to talk about, but I think, you know, putting him in larger context, whether he continues to come off the bench or not, uh, I, I had kind of been on the, the bandwagon that he would, would start for a while, backed off of that a little bit with some of the stuff about Newkirk and then watching the game tonight makes me want to go back the other way. But I think if you assume he's a bench guy, I thought we saw a lot of good things from, uh, other guys that we would expect to come in off the bench. I think that's a positive sign. Um, maybe counterbalance a little bit with some questions for, from some of the other guys, but I thought uh, Freddie McSwain played really well. I thought he held his own against Duran in the post, which, uh, as we talked about on the show earlier in the week, um, I think we you know, we wondered will he be able to hold up under those kinds of things. I think Clifton Moore showed some good mobility in pick and roll situations that he's going to be that he's going to be a, a positive uh, impact on the team. And I thought even Justin Smith had a, a nice little stretch in the I think it was the second half where he scored a couple baskets and. Uh, and was was aggressive. Curtis Jones hit a couple shots. Um, nearly was killed by Deron Davis, and uh, and rebounded well from that. So, uh, you know, so I thought saw some good things out of the guys that we would expect to come off the bench for this team. I think there are certainly questions in the starting lineup just in terms of how this team's going to score, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into. But I thought at least some of the complementary pieces to me actually stood out more tonight uh, than than some of the guys that we would expect to shoulder the load offensively. Yeah. No question. Uh, and actually, I just saw the stats. I believe Devontae led the scrimmage in scoring. He had 14 points and Robert Johnson had 12. Uh, so those were the leading scorers. But I'm very excited now to introduce our guest host tonight. Ryan is not available. He is watching the USC Notre Dame game in Italy. He actually woke up at 1.30 a.m. to watch that game. 
Dedicated it's, fan, that Ryan. It's going really well so far. So, <laughs> so he's not here. He will be back, obviously, um, moving forward. But in his chair tonight, we are very, very excited to have Coach Brian Tonsoni. Uh, Brian has been a longtime listener of the Assembly Call, a contributor. He's one of the guys who makes our live chat go. Uh, and he's also a coach and a really knowledgeable fan uh, and a podcaster in his own right now. And he also leads Delphi Bracketology, which I believe recently beat Andy Bottoms in Bracketology. Uh, so may maybe I should have had him I mean, go only, first tonight. Yeah, probably, probably should have. <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that you didn't introduce me with any kind of like Bracketology thing since Brian was here, which is yeah. arguably fair <laughs> given the way they've they've treated me in the last couple of years. So it's reasonable. Yeah, so with all that said, let's introduce Brian Tonsoni to the show. And uh, Brian, the floor is yours. What was your biggest takeaway? Maybe that's what we'll call it, Tonsoni's takeaway. Well, thank you for uh, having us on tonight, or having me on, a fellow Italian, in place of, uh, uh, of Brian. So hopefully I can uh, fill in his shoes. But it's an honor to be on tonight. And uh, I, I was really happy to see the basic plays uh, of Archie Miller, what he's trying to do in transition. Uh, we saw some things uh, pushing the ball, some drag screens, some ball screens. And, and defensively, I think you saw the pack line. And, and early on, the team was taking a lot of threes, and, and the pack line supposed to stop penetration. So I think overall, my main takeaway is the system is getting in place, and, and that's enjoyable. I, I think Archie Miller's style of play will be what IU fans really w want to see. And then it's just a matter of getting the players to play to their most optimal uh, with, you know, the five guys. You had some guys sitting out today. You had some walk-ons playing, and that makes it tough for the, the white team. And I, I'm with Andy. I was glad that the red team won because that shows some depth, and I think Archie would like to play with some depth. So uh, I was really happy to see out-of-bounds plays that worked. Uh, that was really nice. And, uh, you know, you know they have several others. They're not going to show everything in a scrimmage that's on Big Ten Network, but the core is there. Now it is eliminating some of the turnovers, taking good shots, but, man, it's nice to see some things that I've been looking for for years come out of the Indiana basketball program. Uh, no question. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show to join over 4,000 IU fans who get our free IU basketball email newsletter, which includes our weekly six-banner Sunday news roundups. Go to assemblycall.com slash join. That is assemblycall.com slash join. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Tonsoni breaking down the red team's 40-31 to 31 victory over the white team in today's scrimmage. Uh, you know, look, obviously a scrimmage like this, you know, it, all kinds of caveats. You don't want to make any, any, you know, crazy proclamations or anything. Uh, and so, you know, I feel it's important to say that right off the bat. And I think, you know, it, it is important with the white team. You know, they had the white team had three of the most important players on this roster, Robert Johnson, Juwan Morgan and Deron Davis, who I think we all agree are, are going to be really leaned on heavily and probably will be this team's, you know, three leading scores. And it would have been interesting to see what they could have done with Colin Hartman and Josh Newkirk as well. But obviously they didn't get that chance. And and I thought the white team offense looked out of sync for, for a lot of the night. And I think in part it was because, you know, probably those three guys are playing with guys that they don't often play with. But I, I want to break down some of the individual efforts of those three guys because they are so important. And let's start with Deron Davis because I think for a lot of people, one of the most intriguing aspects of Hoosier hysteria was going to be seeing Deron Davis, you know, the newly svelte Deron Davis. How did he look? 
And I thought, you know, he had a really nice stretch in the second half that really impressed me. And it actually came on the heels of maybe his worst couple of plays in the night. He had a, a pass out of the post uh, that got uh, uh, that got stolen and, and led to a bucket. Uh, and just that was, you know, not a good pass. And he's been a guy who has done a good job with that. And then, of course, he had kind of the silly foul against Curtis Jones where he, you know, kind of took Curtis Jones uh, out, uh, you know, legs out from under him when he was going up for that bucket and everybody had to hold their breath for a moment. But after that, I didn't see this on the broadcast, but I saw, uh, I think someone tweeted it or maybe one of the guys on the broadcast said that Archie kind of took Duran over, you know, talked to him, wasn't very happy about that play. And I wonder if that kind of refocused Duran because right after that, and this was at about the 10 minute mark in the second half, he had his best stretch of the game. He had three straight possessions where he scored in different ways. He drove from the top of the key uh, and scored. I think it was his first bucket of the game, actually. Then on the next possession, he stepped out, hit a 10-foot jumper. Uh, uh, two possessions after that, then I think, he had the, a really nice shot fake and scored on Clifton Moore. So, you know, we saw some of the the bad from Deron Davis tonight, you know, some of the fouling, uh, especially, you know, a couple of moving screens um, and just, you know, some stretches of the game where he kind of drifted out, you know, and, and, and you know, even was, you know, kind of defended well by Freddie McSwain and Deron needs to be able to dominate a guy like Freddie McSwain. Um, but then that stretch, which really shows you everything that Duran can do. So, you know, Andy, I'm curious, what was your overall thoughts on the effort tonight from Duran Davis? Because I thought it was for, again, just the, the first public performance for this team, a bit of a mixed bag from Duran. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Mixed bag is exactly what I would have said. I think, you know, he had the one uh, really good play in the first half where he ran the floor really well, I think in a way that we wouldn't have seen him be able to do last year. He ended up traveling on the play, and I think you... Uh, you know, even noted it on on Twitter that you know just really explosive play as he went to the basket. Um, that obviously didn't count. Uh, the fouling I think was was obviously a concern because that's something that we you know talking about the other night really plagued him, and I thought it did uh, in this game as well. Obviously, you play a little bit differently when it's a scrimmage. There's not really a, a limit, but still, um, you know, I, I thought there were just times he seemed tentative in the in the post. I think that pass that you mentioned that he you know had gotten a really nice offensive rebound and instead of really trying to go up over. Uh, Freddie McSwain, he passed out of it. I didn't really understand uh, understand why, but that stretch that you had, that you also mentioned, I thought he did really well. And I had I wrote in my notes, good stretch from Duran after nearly killing Cujo. So yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty well summed it up. Man, so I thought the it was, death stare that Curtis Jones gave him after that play if yeah, you saw it on yeah. the podcast, he like kind of shook his yeah. head like Duran, what are you doing, man? Yeah, you hear sometimes <laughs> these teams fight in like closed door practices. I thought we were about to witness the first one in a in an open <laughs> setting, but um, no, I thought so. So I think you saw some of the things that that get you excited about him. Um, you know, showed some of the good footwork and and things like that. Did make some nice passes. Um, but I think it, there's going to be probably a little bit of a feeling out process for him in terms of how how he needs to play as more of a focal point of the offense as opposed to a complementary piece. And yeah, there were you know that Wisconsin game last year for a while they really played through him in the post. But um, I think we all the other thing we also saw was you know again there were struggles at times to get these guys the ball in the post where he needs to get it and he's not a guy that you can get it to out on the floor um he did make that nice kind of you know turn around more face up shot which is not something that we saw from him last year which i thought was encouraging but you know again if he's going to be a focal point of the offense they got to get better at being able to find ways to get him the ball inside yeah, and that may mean that everybody needs to take some uh, post-entry pass lessons from Johnny uh, Jager because I thought he actually made the best entry passes of anybody on the team. Uh, Brian, you know, curious to, to kind of dive in a little bit more with your thoughts on Deron Davis and maybe, you know, what you saw just from a, you know, a schematic standpoint or a play design standpoint in terms of what they were trying to do to get him the ball 
and maybe how that will look in a more ideal setting, you know, in the future when guys are a little bit more comfortable. I, I agree with uh, – Davis was too tentative tonight early, and it looked like they made an adjustment at halftime. But I liked what I saw. They do multiple actions to get Davis into the low post. Uh, college basketball no longer is a day where your bigs run down to the post and just turn around and call for the ball. There's multiple ways of getting a big. And, and you saw um, – in my terminology, it's a Denver action, but it's a cross screen. And then Davis comes from the high post down to screen and the guard catches it at the at the top of the key. That's a post uh, opportunity for Davis there. You'll, you'll see him roll on some ball screens. And that's why his body had to be changed in order to do those athletic things. And it's not just a foot fight in the of strength in the low post. And I thought you saw some of those things early, but we missed them with bad passing angles. Uh, not looking into the post, and then he floated to the outside. And I think that's why his first half was not very productive. You saw the same types of actions in that six-point run, but we got the ball to him. We got the ball to him where he could make some moves, and then he was a little more aggressive at that point. And that mid-range jumper is going to be nice. You're going to see him do a lot of drag screens, which is a screen on the move coming down from the fast break. If he's behind the point guard, He'll set a high ball screen and roll into the low post. And you saw that even Morgan got a little post feed action in some of those ways uh, tonight. And that's good to see that there's multiple ways of feeding the post. Probably uh, an average effort tonight in, in there. But again, I'm looking at foundations of play. And I think the coaching staff will watch film and, and see and make the corrections on the execution as well as adding things in the future. But th there were three or four different ways they tried to get him the ball. It helped. It was better in the second half. All right. Coming up here on the assembly call, I'm going to point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And we will continue kind of going player by player and just giving some uh, some reactions to what we saw and some impressions from these guys. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Tonsoni, breaking down tonight's scrimmage from Hoosier Hysteria. The red team won 40 to 31. Uh, and so before we kind of go player by player, and, and I really want to hit Juwan Morgan because um, I thought it was, it was a really interesting night from him. Uh, this is kind of a new segment that we're going to try this season. We'll see if it works. And we're kind of using these uh, these scrimmage shows and the two exhibition shows to try some new things. So definitely be candid in your feedback. Um, but this first segment is going to be meaningful moments that you might have missed. And I'm going to point out a couple of them. One of them will lead us into that conversation about Juwan Morgan. But 
the first moment, I hope everybody saw this because this, I almost chose this for my banner moment, but late in the second half, uh, there was a turnover by VJ Blackman, kind of a, you know, lazy turnover over on the right side. And it was right in front of Archie Miller. And you saw Archie Miller visibly upset. He kind of clapped his hands together. He was mad about it. And there was something about that that made me so happy to see. It wasn't indifference at a turnover. You know, it wasn't just encouragement. It was anger at a turnover. And that kind of coupled with, you know, again, what I said earlier about the first thing Ed Schilling said after the game is we've got to stop turning the ball over so much. You know, one of the things I wanted to see from the scrimmage is do we see a little bit of a different mentality? And, you know, guys who have been used to turning it over and, and obviously it's been a problem the last couple of years, you're not going to fix that all overnight. But I saw some real visible signs of a renewed uh, interest and level of accountability on behalf of the coaching staff when it comes to turnovers. So I was very excited about that. Um, before I get to the next meaningful moment, Andy, anything, uh, any reaction to that? Did you uh, did you see Archie upset? Did that have the same reaction uh, uh, or for you that it did for me? Well, it's funny. I, I did kind of find myself looking for those kinds of things as they were, because there were some of those, you know, moments where, again, it's a scrimmage. You try not to overreact to, to too much of it, but there were some of those kind of careless turnovers. So I did kind of find myself wondering now in a game like this, where you really don't have a lot of bench, it's not like he's going to yank somebody out of the game. So I think that that reaction was probably as close as we would get to anything like that tonight. Yeah. Okay, so here's the other moment that I, I thought was really meaningful tonight. And it came in the second half. And this was, you know, probably a few minutes after the sequence from Deron Davis that I mentioned earlier. And this was from Jawan Morgan. And, you know, Andy, you and I talked about on our show Thursday night how if you look at the numbers, Juwan was, you know, it might surprise people how efficient he was in half-court situations and isolation situations, you know, finishing close to the basket. He was a really efficient player last year. What really kept him from being a more complete offensive player is that he just couldn't shoot last year, which was somewhat surprising given how well he shot as a freshman, even though it was a small sample size. Well, Eddie Cotton interviewed Jawan, uh, I think it was right after he had gotten done shooting, or maybe it was right before the skills competition. And, you know, Jawan talked about shooting and how much he'd worked on it and how last year it was kind of a confidence thing. And this year, you know, he, he was much more confident. And when the, you know, the shot was going up, you know, he was really confident it was going in. And if you remember back to the beginning of the scrimmage, Juwan was very shot happy at the start. I think his first three-pointer was literally about five or six feet behind the line. Uh, it didn't go in. He took another three, a possession or two later. And I almost felt like it's not that they were terrible shots outside of the offense, although the first one was, again, probably I don't think Juwan has quite earned a green light for a three-point shot that deep. But it's almost like he was trying to convince himself and show everybody that his shot was back and that his confidence was there. But he missed those shots. And I thought it kind of took him out of a rhythm a little bit early. And, and I didn't think we saw as many positive contributions from Juwan as we're used to and as we're going to need. But I thought in the second half, he got back to doing Juwan Morgan things and got back to finding a way to score and be productive, even though his shot wasn't falling. You know, he was, you know, there was a really nice cut that he had and he scored uh, on a bucket from Rojo. He got out and ran. He got putbacks. Like he got back to doing those things. And look, we know we need him to shoot. He needs to be a complete offensive player. But I was impressed by the maturity that he showed because Archie has talked about this responsibility for production that he has. And that means that even if his shot isn't falling, he's got to produce and do things. And I thought the shot wasn't falling early, but he found a way to go be productive. And that to me is a good sign of his maturity and a good sign of things to come because 
I think he'll be fine as a shooter. I still have confidence in that, but it was nice to see him tonight put a few early misses behind him and still go out and be a leader and get that production. Brian, what did you see from Juwan tonight overall? I think you're spot on. We we talk about great players, great shooters have to have short memories. It's what you do after a miss or after a turnover that really matters. And in good programs, those short memories uh, help win games. And, and I think you saw that a little bit in Juwan in the second half. I think in the first half, he missed a couple and then he reverted back to being a complimentary player for a while. And, and again, you could read way too much into a inner squad scrimmage. It's going to look better. Uh, when it's the you know the the guys out there in a rotation, but I thought he looked tentative, and I agree with you. He looked tentative, and then he got back in. And really, what he's got to do is he's got to do Jawan Morgan things plus add that productivity of scoring. And, and that scoring can come in in many ways. He can't force it. He can't hunt, hunt for shots, uh, but he's got to find them inside the offense. And I think you saw that in the white team. There's a little pressure. All three of those guys were somewhat complimentary. Rojo has scored. And I'm sure we're going to talk about him uh, has scored in the past. So that's not a big jump for him. But the other two, it's a big jump to be a, a primary scorer on a program and your first time in, in front of a crowd. So I thought they both were tentative. And But Juwan is a, is a competitor and he will he will find that productivity uh, as the season goes on, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Robert Johnson and here we are, you know, 25 minutes into the show of Robert Johnson's last Hoosier hysteria and we haven't really gone into him yet. Uh, Andy, did you did you have a tear in your eye for uh, for Robert's final introduction at a Hoosier hysteria? Uh, I didn't actually catch the introductions. I was uh, we were out at dinner and I was uh, I had a tear of rage in my eye from the uh, IU Michigan State game, but I did not have uh, not Robert Johnson related. So, so uh, I'm sure those will come. So let's talk about him. Um, you know, again, like everybody, kind of an uneven night. You know, he had a really nice stretch in the first half. I mean, basically, I think I'm not sure anybody on the white team scored the first six, seven minutes of the first half outside of Robert. And it was, you know, on the one hand, kind of impressive to see him just keep the white team hanging around, um, you know, really kind of having to create a lot of offense himself. I think, you know, he was aggressive going to the bucket. He was really looking for a shot. Um, you know, showed a lot of the different things he can do. I thought his, you know, his defense was a little bit up and down, but played some good defense in moments. What did you think uh, overall in terms of Robert's work tonight? Yeah, he was, uh, I thought he was, he was aggressive early. Um, I think he and Devante really kind of started going at each other a little while. And I thought there were chances uh, he went in stretches where he wasn't very aggressive. Now he also played the entire thing, which I'm not sure that many of the other guys did uh, as best I can recall. So I think that was, um, that was part of it. And, you know, I, while I don't think it was by design because of the injuries and things like that, um, I hope that this, uh, you, you know, was somewhat eye-opening both for him and, and Juwan and for Jerron Davis. I mean, because those guys are the three guys who everybody seems to think are going to lead the team in scoring. And those guys were kind of out there a little bit on an island based on the other guys that they had playing with them. And it's like, you guys got to figure out a way to make this work. Um, you got two other guys on the floor with them at pretty much every point that nobody thought was going to shoot. Nobody thought would make shots, um, you know, really almost at all times. And, and so I thought it was a good test for them. And I thought at times he seemed willing to try to put the team on his back. And, um, as you said, try to keep him from hanging around, but I think he can't, fall in and out of that aggressive mindset of, of trying to get to the basket. I certainly thought he was aggressive just with a shot. Um, but I also think that's easy to do when you know that there's not a lot of other guys that are, you know, were particularly in the first half when Juwan and, and Duran weren't playing that well. I mean, it, it truly was him. So easy to be aggressive and shoot a lot in those scenarios. So I thought there were times he just wasn't aggressive enough. 
Um, turnover wise, I know I think he had a couple, but uh, a, a little bit of a challenge, I think, for him for sure, with just not really sharing the backcourt with anybody else who was going to put up a lot of points. And, um, you know, so again, kind of like a, I feel like with a lot of the, the big time guys, a bit of a mixed bag. Yeah. So uh, normally in this uh, segment, one of the other kind of uh, segments, new segments that we're going to try is inside the numbers. We don't have numbers because there weren't really any box scores uh, or that I've seen yet from tonight other than the two leading scores. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time uh, diving into the numbers. But I, I just want to let, let, let's do kind of some quick, quick hit uh, impressions of some other players. I thought uh, I'll start with Curtis Jones, who I thought, you know, again, kind of started out uneven. You know, he kind of had one of those... Uh, you know, unfortunately frequent Curtis Jones bricks from downtown that we've seen where it's not even close and just hits the other side of the backboard. And, you know, kind of made, you know, me as someone who's been very high on him in the offseason, but then has kind of wondered, you know, his shot mechanics, are they going to just lead to him constantly being an inconsistent shooter? You know, we saw some of that and that, you know, kind of uh, made me a little afraid when I saw that particular shot, but he bounced back. I think he made a couple of threes in the second half. I thought he was in the second half, you know, he dribbled with more purpose. There was a lot in the first half of just kind of dribbling it and handing it off and and almost either trying to shoot really quickly or just get rid of the ball and let someone else make a play. And I thought in the second half, he did a little bit better job of, you know, having a purpose with his movements on the offensive end. And I thought defensively, you know, he showed, and we saw this from him some last year, you know, but I thought he really dug in and, and, and applied some good pressure to the ball at times. And so, you know, it wasn't a, uh, you know, nothing necessarily jumped out that said this guy's ready to break out. Um, but I thought there were some encouraging signs from him in the second half. Uh, Brian, feel free to uh, comment on Curtis Jones. And then also, you know, who else kind of jumped out to you tonight? Yeah, I, I think Curtis Jones has to be able to get, come off the bench and hit some shots. Uh, shooting is going to be a, a big priority on this team. Hopefully Hartman can hit a few. Uh, but I think Curtis can do that. Curtis is going to have to play solid defense. But, but the other thing that Archie would like to do is get some slashers. You're seeing that in how he's recruiting. He wants he wants some athletes with length to be able to slash. And I think that's a position where uh, Curtis can really help this team is, is to drive and either drive to score or drive to uh, to get help get a teammate open. So I, I thought he played okay tonight. I was really pleased. I think Andy mentioned this earlier about the young guys. Uh, and I, I think we have some depth, and that was a big concern if we hadn't filed trouble. And I – I think Moore and Smith showed uh, that they have a chance to be freshmen similar to Jawan and OG. I'm not saying they're going to be drafted in the first round, but th those two a uh, couple years ago came on as the season progressed. And you were wondering if that was going to happen. I, I think that's going to happen sooner um, than later for, for the, the two freshmen. Freddie McSwain is going to be an energy guy. You're going to throw him in there for two or three minutes and go get some rebounds and have a massive dunk and turn a game around. And so I, I thought overall it was all of those guys did some nice things and, and some of the old routine of turnovers have to, you know, get, get corrected. But, yeah, I thought Cujo, you know, you're talking about players. Green obviously was fantastic tonight. Uh, but I thought Cujo was third, fourth best player on the floor, to be honest. Yeah. You know, Moore was interesting. You know, he was not bashful. In his first time out at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, he came out and just started firing shots. I think he might have taken two threes the first two times he touched the ball. No, he didn't make them, but he certainly looked fluid doing it. And I know, you know, Archie, you know, had kind of made his comments about, you know, he's a guy on ice skates right now. But 
I don't know the right way to say this, but he just looks good in candy stripes. Like he just looks good in a uniform. You know, like there's some guys you see him. OG was a guy like this. And I haven't had a chance to see Clifton in person yet, but I remember we went up there and saw freshman uh, OG's freshman season. We walked on the court. You're like, wow. Like he just looks kind of bigger in person. He just looks like an athlete. And I'll be interested to see kind of what Clifton looks like in person, but just watching him on the computer screen like I did, he just looks like a player. You know, when you're that big and you can move that way and your shot kind of looks that natural, I think all the things that we had kind of heard about him, you saw them tonight. Now, you know, it. we still, I think, are going to have to wait on the production and certainly we're going to have to wait on the consistency, but you can see why people are so excited about him. And it was nice to get that first taste and kind of see him, you know, go up and down and play extended minutes. Um, defense needs a lot of work. And, you know, again, all of the the things that I just mentioned, but I agree with you. I really think what can take this team from a team that probably is going to struggle at Seton Hall and probably is going to play maybe a few of these, uh, you know, you know, 100 to 150 Ken Palm teams a little closer than we would like early in the season as they get their sea legs. But what I think is going to make this team more of a contender in the Big Ten as you get into January and February and March is the development of guys like Smith and Moore. Um, Andy, you know, what did you see from those two guys tonight that you uh, that you liked and maybe that kind of confirmed what you think they need to, to work on to get more playing time? Yeah, just, just to go back to Curtis Jones real quick, I thought Brian was exactly right with needing him to slash. And I think they need Curtis Jones to do more of that. He seems too content at times to chuck up threes that he has obviously shown the ability to make over over the course of time but um i think he if he can become a little bit more of a slasher i think could could really pay dividends um as far as as more and smith i think you know from more more's perspective I, I would echo what you said i mean he got he got kind of pushed around defensively but when you start to think about the way that they're looking to get guys like Deron Davis, guys like Juwan Morgan, the ball with some of the cuts and things like that. I mean, his mobility is really strong uh, in that regard. So I think he's going to he's gonna be able to perform really well in those kinds of situations. And I think not a guy you're going to necessarily post up, but if you can get him the ball on the move, I think he's got the, the ability to maybe do some things that, uh, that other guys on the roster cannot. Um, so if he can get better defensively um, and if and or if Deron continues to have foul issues, he's going to find himself on the court. Uh, and in terms of in terms of Smith, I mean, I think it's a lot of what we said Thursday night. I mean, defense is going to be a big one. Energy things. He certainly showed uh, had a nice spin move, I think, and and was able to you know hit a mid range jump shot. Yeah, again, talking about slashers, he's a guy who could fill that role. If if Curtis Jones, you know, is is more content to shoot those threes, I think Smith is a guy who's less likely to do that and 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 can be more of a slasher like that. So uh, again, those are not. That that skill, that kind of slashing wing player, is not something that this team has a, a big supply of at this point. So if he can figure out how to do those things, I think he can earn himself some minutes. But I think certainly from an athleticism standpoint, uh, he can he can compete. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys are right that as the season wears along, he's able to get into that a little bit more. All right, coming up here on the assembly call, we will continue our breakdown of the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage. The red team beat the white team forty to thirty one, and let's talk a little bit more about defense here coming up in our next segment. That is next here on The Assembly Call. Stick with us. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call, IU postgame show. The Assembly Call is an independent production, and we do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and growing Visit assemblycall.com support to learn five quick, simple ways that you can support the show. 
That is assemblycall.com slash support. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and our special guest host, Brian Tonsoni, breaking down Indiana's scrimmage tonight in Hoosier hysteria. Guys, I want to talk a little bit more about the defense. And Brian, you talked about this some in the beginning. You know, this was our first look at, you know, Archie Miller's pack line defense. And that's obviously been a big focus in the offseason, you know, hopefully bring, bringing more of a defensive mentality to the program. I thought, you know, we saw some individuals like Devontae Green, you know, really, you know, providing a lot of ball pressure and, and you know, just getting up in guys. And, and we saw some more of that. Um, but, you know, from a schematic standpoint, you know, maybe if you can give the really quick high level description of the pack line, what it is, what the major objectives are, and then what are some of the things you saw that worked and maybe a few that didn't work in the first time out tonight? Sure. It's interesting you asked. I've, I've been asked to get back into high school coaching as an assistant uh, with a, a former assistant of mine. So the roles have been reversed. And, and I was a deny guy and he's a pack line guy. So I'm learning uh, from since May about how to run the pack line. And I like it uh, because it stops penetration. And the NCAA game is now a north-south game. It is our athlete's going to beat your athlete, and if you help, we're going to kick to a shooter. And and then they're going to knock down shots. So, it, you know, the motion game is a side-to-side -side game. And so the pack line defense is meant to eliminate dribble penetration. And if you watch the scrimmage and if we could watch it over again, you'll see them forcing the ball to the middle instead of forcing it to the baseline. All of us old basketball players are always told, you know, to deny the ball to the top and force to the baseline. That's different. The ball is now allowed to move from side to side. And we just, and the pack line is to stop that. Look at positioning. I thought the positioning was okay. There were a few times we, ha we had some drives to the middle because athletes are going to beat athletes. But the pack line is supposed to limit that and force outside shots. And then you want to contest those outside shots. And that's what I thought we saw early in the scrimmage was a lot of settling by the offenses. And then good coaches will make those adjustments. And there's ways to attack the pack line with some baseline screening and things of that nature. But I liked it. I like the ball screen defense where they force the ball in to take the screen and then they hedge and they have some recovery. Again, we gave up some. And it was better than average, I thought. But again, it's going to be consistently done with an emphasis this year. And I think that's going to be the huge difference is once that is picked up on a regular basis. So the positioning, the 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 uh, you say it every time. Are you just going to let the guy get to the rim? You're just going to let him drive by you? Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> you're saying. I don't know that we saw that a lot tonight. Um Maybe once or twice, and that's that tells me that that pack line is is starting to be built uh, the Archie way. Will we see it uh, game one, game ten, game fifteen? That's that's just a matter of how hard it is. I'll tell you how what we're going to do with our guys in the high school season. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we we put it in, and we'll see how successful it is because it's just new for our for our team too. So we're going through probably some of the same struggles. Uh, a lot less talent on our squad though, but. Um, <laughs> I like it, and I think it's going to be there. It's just it's a matter of learning and executing. Did you think the offense was ahead of the defense, or or vice versa for for the first time out, or no advantage either I, way? I'm a defensive guy, and so I, I really like to see. I thought our defense was better than what we saw last year at any point last year, and I think it's about twenty percent in. If you if you want my honest opinion, but I have a crush on Archie Miller. So I'm sorry, that might be heavily biased. I, I just thought I, I saw stances. I saw communication. I saw a, a lot of 
effort and energy on the defensive side. And it wasn't perfect. Like I said, it's probably, you know, C, C minus if the coaches graded out. Uh, but that's what happens when you change defense. So I, I thought the defense was ahead of the offense. And maybe it's just we have to win games that way this year because uh, of, of the skilled offense. The players have graduated and we got to find it somewhere. But I, I was happy with what I saw for the most part. Yeah, and that's with you know, two of our better defenders not playing, Colin Hartman and Josh Newkirk. Obviously, I'm sure the defense would have looked even better with those guys out there. Andy, your first impression of the Archie Miller defense. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that I, I wrote down was about the ball screen defense, like as Brian mentioned. I thought it was more, the approach was just more consistent, um, which I think we saw at times last year, different, trying to attack that in different ways and then just, you know, confusing the players. I thought it was a lot more consistent approach to what they wanted to do from a, a ball screen defense standpoint. And and in today's college basketball, there's so much of, of it that just becomes isolation and ball screens and things like that. And so uh, if you don't have something to fall back on that you can really do there, you're going to be in trouble. So I thought they did a good job of, of, of handling that part. That was the thing that stuck out to me the most. Some of these scrimmages, it's a little bit hard because, I mean, you know, they know what they're trying to run offensively. They know what they're trying to run defensively. Um, and so it gets a little bit, challenging but i thought overall the, the ball screen stuff was what uh, stood out to me the most yeah um okay let's talk about just some other players that we haven't hit yet uh, freddie mcswain being one of them who again like all these players mixed bag that's kind of the theme of tonight but i thought he showed some good defense i mean I, you know he defended deron davis pretty well uh on certain possessions and i thought we saw um we saw some more aggressiveness from Freddie, and I thought it actually started out better and then kind of declined. It ended, uh, you know, when he got that charge on Zach McRoberts, and that's bad Freddie, where he just kind of puts his head down, barrels in, and is totally out of control. And those are the possessions that he can't have because there's a, you know, a pretty good chance. I mean, he was, you know, still five or six feet away from the basket. He's probably not going to finish there. Uh, so really no need for that. But I thought he also had early on, you know, a couple of nice, you know, took a couple of dribbles, drove into the basket. Um, I don't recall if he finished that first one, but it looked like a nice basketball play. And if he can, you know, do that every now and then, you know, while adding in, obviously the rebounds that we expect from him and the energy, Brian, that you talked about, that's what he's going to be able to do. And, you know, he's a guy, you know, when they started talking about that gold jersey, he apparently, along with Devontae Green and Juwan Morgan, was in the top three, you know, for the first one, which is encouraging. So I thought we saw a lot of what we saw last year out of Freddie, um, but I thought maybe a tick more comfortable and a tick more confident than the guy that we saw last year, uh, which I thought was encouraging for a guy who needs to play, you know, some, uh, some, some solid short spurts. Um, anybody else stand out, Brian? Uh, I, I think he's, he might be a key to getting a win or two at some point. I think he's like a middle reliever or a pinch hitter. You, you need something to happen. You need a guy to eat some innings. He could eat some minutes. And, and I think Archie will find a way to put him in a good defensive matchup where he can make an advantage and get him out on the break and be maybe a slasher or throw an alley-oop or do some things like that. So you made a point about being comfortable, and, and I'm going to go back to coaching. Uh, Archie Miller got upset with the turnover, but the players to me looked a little more uh, comfortable in playing basketball, maybe not in front of 12,000 for the first time. But I, because Car Archie played the game and has a way to relate to these players, I think you're going to see a Freddie McSwain become a little bit better. I think you're going to see Devontae Green have some sw swagger and moves and, and hopefully he elevates, the coaching elevates every player's natural ability 
to something better than all the pundits are thinking right now. And I think you saw some of that tonight, even though it was, you know, 50-50 somewhat in the play. But I think instead of McSwain just being a body, I think he's going to get, you know, six to eight minutes maybe. And if he's going well, maybe a little bit more given a scenario. And I think he's going to excite the crowd with some plays. And I think at the end of the year, when you guys do a recap, I think he's going to be productive within those minutes. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I mean, I thought he showed some of that last year, even, you know, just as he was just getting comfortable. And sometimes it didn't quite feel like he knew what he was doing out there, but he just hustled his way into good plays. And I think we'll see more of that, which is really important. Uh, Andy, let's let's spend a few minutes on Tim Priller, uh, who it was his final Hoosier hysteria as well. And I think, you know, for those of us who are who continue to hold out hope that he can be a guy who can maybe you know, channel what we saw in the Northwestern and Purdue games last year where he played productive minutes. Like in those games, he was not, you know, sideshow Tim Priller. He got in there and did some things, like some real positive basketball things. And I thought we saw some positive basketball things from him tonight. He had six points in the first half. I don't know what he finished with, but, you know, he was active on the glass. He, he got some rebounds. He was in the right spot. Um, again, he's not a guy that you want to rely on. But given the depth issues in the front court, combined with the youth and the foul trouble of Deron Davis, you know, there may be times that he's got to get out there. And again, you don't want to expose him too much. But I thought we saw some good things from him tonight. What would you think? Yeah, I think he, I mean, that that one stretch, I think he scored all his points within a couple of minutes. But I thought he played, you know, was at least active in that stretch. And, and some of those are on putbacks and things like that. Um, I think that's what you've got to expect from him. I, I feel like he's... Um, I actually, for, you know, for as, as good, you know, as good, I guess, as you'd say that stretch was like, I don't even, if he even played in the second half, I couldn't even tell you. Um, I thought he was invisible if he, if he did play. Um, I just don't remember his name being said. I don't remember him, um, doing a whole lot. I, I think when you really think about the way that they're going to want to play and the things that, you know, we talked about some of these other guys can do. Um, I, I, I agree. I think McSwain's going to earn a, a, a role on the team. Uh, that'll be pretty well defined, and we kind of know what he can do. I I struggle to find the scenario in which uh, you know Priller is going to get a lot of minutes, um, just because I think he's that far down the down the depth chart. I mean, he did show he could do a couple things, but like I said, I think short of that, you know, few minute stretch, I just there wasn't a lot there from my perspective. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he'll get a lot. I don't think he's a guy who will play every game, but he's a guy maybe that eight to 10 games this season where you need him for two or three minutes, something like that outside of garbage time, you know, where you need him to maybe come in and just play. I think you're right. I don't think it's going to happen often, but you at least hope that when he does get in there, that it's not, you know, just a, a black hole of production that he can do, you know, some things. And so I thought we at least saw some of that tonight and hopefully that can continue on into the regular season. I think that correct me if I'm wrong. I think the last uh, guy that we haven't talked about, you know, outside of the walk-ons and we can get to those guys who mentioned Johnny Jager, uh, who, by the way, came out to moves like Jagger for his uh, Hoosier Stereo introduction music, which is just a, a boss move by him uh, to go along with the, with the great entry passes. But Race Thompson is the other guy who is obviously a big part of this program's future, is not going to play this year because he's a red shirt, but, you know, got out there, banged around, you know, played some minutes uh, tonight. What did you see from Race tonight, Brian? I, I saw a physical presence that uh, is going to be a really nice basketball player. And, and this is what you know, coach is bringing in, he's bringing in these six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys. Some are more post players, some are more wings. And, it, and I liked his physicality. I, I thought he just had a presence. Uh, you could tell that he's 17 years old or 18 or whatever, uh, graduating high school early, 
just by the pace of the play kind of got the best of him a little bit and he will develop that here in his red shirt year but you can see that he's a basketball player and given a year to to study the game and learn the game in this atmosphere i think we'll see some good things from him in the future yeah absolutely all right. Well, Andy has just informed me here in the chat that we have not spent enough time on uh, Devonte Green. So we are going to spend uh, some more time on Devonte Green here. Coming up in our final segment of the Assembly Call, we will give out our game balls and we will do last call as we wrap up here talking about the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Tonsoni wrapping up our Hoosier Hysteria scrimmage breakdown as the red team beats the white team 40 to 31 tonight in front of a big crowd of enthusiastic IU fans. There were, you know, huge lines at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, you know, many, many hours before the game. And there were even people who were camping out last night. So it was nice to see the excitement and the enthusiasm there for Indiana basketball for, you know, what is basically just player intros in a scrimmage. It's nice to see so many people there uh, and excited. This is typically the part in our show where we preview the upcoming opponent. Um, I don't think any of us know a whole lot about Marion, our first exhibition opponent. Uh, so we're not going to spend too much time doing that. But let's give out our game balls. And Andy, you clearly have some things to say about Devontae Green. I'm assuming he's going to get your game ball. So let's start with you. Yeah, I think this is one of those things that I think we get we end up doing this sometimes during the regular season as well, where we talk about a guy who played really well in the opening and then we just kind of like let it sit there for a while and, and not get back to it. So yeah, um, this is my chance to get back to him. But I, I you know, he definitely would get my game ball, I think, for a variety of reasons. I thought he did a pretty good job of balancing, you know, trying to get his own offense with uh trying to get other guys involved. I thought he was Good defensively, I, I think he showed all the things that made us think he's a guy, the kind of guy and the kind of player that Archie is really going to like. Um, and so, you know, we talked about kind of the you know the city guard and, and some of those kinds of things. Uh, and I don't know if that's why he seems to have excelled in these uh, scrimmages at Hoosier Hysteria each of the last two years or not. But uh, definitely had some good moves. Thought he was aggressive uh, driving the ball to the basket. And again, between that and the uh, and the defense, those are the kinds of things that are going to earn guys minutes uh you know in Archie's eyes and I think you know we all while Newkirk did come on a lot at the end of the year um and you've got Robert Fennessy coming in uh who knows what happens with Darius Garland but you know there's also this interim period where you gotta you know who's your who's your guy for this year and maybe even into next year and, and I think Devonte has a real chance to to take a stranglehold of, of that uh, as soon as this season. And so I thought tonight was a really good first step for him. Obviously, the gold jersey and the things like that, I think he's getting Archie's attention, doing the things that he wants to see him do. And, uh, you know, kind of when, one of the quotes that Archie had with the whole gold jersey thing was talking about there's some guys that can, you know, not quite do it in practice and come up and show up and play well in the games. But he said more often than not, guys that practice well play well. And I thought Devontae was uh, exhibit A of that tonight. Well, shoot, every time the Big Ten Network televises an IU practice, Devontae Green is the guy who stands out, as you mentioned there. So if he can channel that, what he's doing in those televised practices and do that in the game, he's got a chance to have a really great season. Uh, my game ball goes to the coach. My game ball goes to Archie Miller. Uh, I think for you know beginning the, the process of making this a defensive-oriented program, 
We saw some of that, Brian, as you mentioned, uh, for, again, for that moment of being upset about the turnover. I know that seems like a silly thing to be excited about, but IU fans who have watched basketball for the last, you know, eight, nine years with this program and have gotten frustrated with turnovers, it was nice to see a coach get upset about a turnover like that. But, you know, I, you know, seeing him take the microphone before Hoosier Hysteria, he is a guy who is so poised, who is so prepared who is so calm and confident in all the situations that we've seen him. And I thought for the first time since Archie Miller became coach, I thought the moment overwhelmed him just a bit, just a little bit. If you listened on the broadcast, and I don't know if this came across, you know, if you were there live, but you heard his voice. You can always hear in a person's voice if they're a little bit nervous, if they've got a little bit of extra energy that they can't quite control because it comes out in their voice. And he obviously knew what he wanted to say, and it's not like he was stumbling all over himself. He was still composed, but there was that little bit of maybe it was nervous energy. Maybe it was coming out you know, on McCracken Court, looking up and seeing so many people there for Hoosier hysteria that just got him. But I felt in a very endearing way like that moment kind of got to him. And you know, it's just one of those things that shows you how much this means, how much he cares about the position that he has. Uh, but then I thought you know, his words were concise and confident and spot on. And, you know, Jeff Rabjohns tweeted this out. Uh, you know what he said? He said, hopefully in time, the tradition continues to excel. The players are developed. More great players arrive and we continue to proceed forward to try our best to knock on that door to get that sixth banner hanging up there. Uh, and he just continues to hit the right notes and lead this program in the way that I think we all want it to be led. Uh, and so, you know, for the first kind of public appearance with the guys actually playing basketball, and by the way, I liked the more of a fo the focus on basketball, a little bit less pomp and circumstance tonight for Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, for all those reasons, the coach gets my game ball tonight. Uh, Brian, who's your game ball go to? Well, I was going to go with Green, then I was going to go with Coach. And so <laughs> being the guest on here, I get the third pick. Um, I'm going to give it to Ryan Phillips for going to Italy and letting me have a chance to talk with uh, this awesome group and funny that every audience uh, member is doing the same thing for their yeah. game ball. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I can't wait till he gets back to San Diego. So there's the reference for the, the bingo card. And, uh, I, I just got notified that Ethan Hat traveled in their scrimmage today up in Wisconsin. So <laughs> trying to, you know, from one Italian to another, we got to keep things going. Uh, all seriousness. I'm going to, I'm going to, I had two players written down, um, after Green and after Coach, and, and I had Cujo and, and, and Robert Johnson, and, and I thought that they played with just enough confidence. Their game wasn't perfect. Uh, Robert's too loose with the ball. His post feeds are a little lazy. But I, I like the fact that he's he's not afraid to take a shot. There was a couple plays where he did go downhill and was that slasher, and, and I agree with Andy that he needs to do a better job. So I'm going to give the, the game ball to, to Robert because of the three guys that we expected to be major scorers, I thought he did the best job of, of handling that. He has that experience. It showed. And I think he's going to have an outstanding year, as, as I think all the guards are going to be. And I might call Green Scoochie because it reminds me of the guard at Dayton. Scoochie Smith, I think. Was that his last name? Uh, yeah. I yelled Scoochie many times watching a Dayton game, and I could care less about Dayton. So um, I think that's the type of player that we're going to see. Hopefully Newkirk can do some of that, but Green as well. But I thought the guards – looked okay tonight. And again, in a scrimmage, when you're playing, you've been playing against these guys all spring and summer and everyone knows the moves. It'd be great to, to get to Marion and, and um, our first two, you know, exhibition games to really see what it looks like against another opponent. 
Yep. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. All right, guys, it is time to wrap up. We are, we've been going for about 54 minutes here talking about a practice. We're talking about practice, but that's just how we do things because we are crazy about our Hoosiers, and there's lots of excitement for the Archie Miller era, so any little, uh, little sliver of live basketball that we're given, we're going to come on here and analyze it, probably overanalyze it, but hey, that's what we do. That's all we've got, so we'll just continue to, uh, you know, hone our uh, our impressions of this team as we see them play more and more uh but with that said let's go to last call our final comments and mr bottoms you can lead off well you know like you said this is kind of what we've been waiting for is the you know the chance to see what this team looks like there's been all the speculation all the talk everybody hanging on every word to think about what the team would look like and we finally got a, a baseline at least to start from uh with where this team is and so uh i think while a lot of the performances of the you know guys who we expect to start for the team were a little bit uneven, and there were some injuries and all those kinds of things. I think, uh, as Brian hit on throughout the course of the night, there are a lot of good foundational pieces that uh, I, I think everybody can be excited about and things that they're going to be able to build on. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's there there may be some guys that surprise people, and maybe Devontae Green. This was step one of that, and we'll look back on this and say, hey, we we saw it here, and and this is how it manifested itself during the season, but. Um, you know, just excited to see see him back, quite frankly. And uh, you know, good. This is you know, close. We've gotten to a post game show. I've certainly enjoyed the off season shows, but uh, you know, these the last couple ones that we've done in terms of actually trying to break down players, and tonight actually trying to break down a little bit of a game are the ones that are uh, a, a lot more exciting because you're talking about actual actual basketball and uh, and really trying to to do at this point a little bit more than just you know blind speculation as to what might happen that we at least got something to go off of so a good building block and a good place to start and excited for the exhibition season to get going here pretty soon absolutely mr tonsoni last call first of all thank you very much it's an honor to be here and to be asked to to be part of what i think is is the best thing going in college sports so i defense wins championships and, and we all became fans of indiana basketball when we had a guy here who emphasized defense and had also some pretty good offense, but by the way, he, think, he's asked not to be mentioned on tonight's show. Just he's and he's I won't miss. Okay, <laughs> or yeah, a statue in front of the assembly <laughs> assembly hall. Uh, but you know that's Indiana basketball, and and we've all longed and we've been too divided for years uh, in trying to get back to that. And I just have a sense. You know, I don't know what the record will be, but I, I see a foundation of defense that is starting. And this team is going to struggle to find some points. But we'll win some games based on defense. And I don't know that we've said that for quite a while. And that's that's my last call is we have to be patient. Uh, we're going to lose our share of games probably this year with the chance to get to the tournament. But this is headed in the right direction. And, and even though tonight was up and down and, and some players looked good and some didn't, I, I, I really think this is a program that uh, – is where we need it and the candy stripes and, and and the banners and we're finally maybe unified around coach miller this is um this is exciting uh, an exciting time for us and and when we get these next two commits we will all 
uh, have a bottoms up toast and, and uh, <laughs> feel good. But Indiana basketball seems to be back. And, and I ask for everyone to be patient, uh, even if it doesn't uh, show up in, in wins this year like we would like it to. I have a feeling it's back the way it needs to be. Absolutely. And thanks again very much for, for asking. Hey, it, it was great having you on here. As you know, you know, we get into the, the heat of the battle in the season. Sometimes there are games that, uh, that one of us have to miss. And I think you did a great job tonight. So I, uh, we'd love to have you on in the future. Your, your insight on, you know, the actual nuts and bolts basketball is so useful. And it's always been so useful in the chat. So I'm really happy that it worked out. And I hope that you'll be able to come on with us again in the future. Uh, for my last call, you know, I, I just want to say that I think what what has been done at Simon Scott Assembly Hall is just amazing. I mean, the, the first wave of renovations that we got a chance to see when we you know, came up there looked great. And what they unveiled tonight with the monuments to the, the national champions and the statues that are you know, just all throughout the, the, the lobby and the concourse. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable. And I want to really make special mention of the Bill Garrett statue and the way that they took extra time tonight to honor Bill Garrett. And I believe his son and his daughter were there. Um, and it, it's just, you know, that was such a, a, a great thing to do for about a thousand different reasons. Uh, and having that statue of, of Bill Garrett and Branch McCracken there, I already know, you know, when we go up there in February, and by the way, for those of you who have asked, uh, the game that we're going up to this year is the, uh, the February 23rd game against Ohio State. We have to be there for senior night for Robert Johnson. Uh, Andy's got to be in the house for that. But I, I already know the first thing that I'm doing is going and getting a picture with Branch McCracken uh, and Bill Garrett, that statue. Because, you know, is Bill Garrett the best player in the history of IU basketball? No, but he's one of them. Uh, but he certainly is one of the most important, if not the most important player for everything that he represented. Um, and if you haven't read the book Getting Open yet by Tom Graham, uh, definitely do it. It's an amazing book. I, I, I feel like it's, it should be required reading for all IU basketball fans. And I'm just so happy that part of celebrating the history and the legacy of Indiana basketball, and it's so rich and there are so many important people. But none are as important as as Bill Garrett and what he did and what he represents still to this day. And so I'm so glad that he has a statue and that so many of the other important players and teams and moments in Indiana basketball are commemorated like they are in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Tip of the cap to everybody who was involved in that and who made those decisions uh, because it looks great. And I, I can't wait to see it in person uh, and actually be there. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Thursday for Assembly Call Radio. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing and so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. 
One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Pop some new cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. 50% more cleaning power. New cascade does it better. 50% more cleaning power. New cascade does it cleaner. Switch to new cascade platinum with 50% more cleaning power. No need to rinse your dishes, and it's even strong enough for the quick wash cycle. New Cascade Platinum. Pop some new Cascade in your dishwasher with 50% more cleaning power. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.